Hello, friends. Before we jump into this episode of Commander In, I wanted to let you all know about a brand new venture Phil and I are about to launch. We've heard your request, read your tweets and posts, and now we're about to launch our own YouTube show. Our focus will be on Commander and Brawl, and we have some amazing surprises and guests to announce later on. But before we can get there, we need your help. We've launched a GoFundMe drive to help us cover our setup fees and get all the equipment we need to make this show as good as we can. And we want to make sure that the quality of our video show is as good or better than the quality of our podcasts. You can find our campaign by going to GoFundMe.com and searching for Commanderin. This project is one of the coolest things I've ever been involved with, and I personally can't wait to bring it to you all, and I hope you guys think it's cool too. Now, on with the show. I'm Shivam Butt. And we are Commanderin. Thanks for listening, everybody. We put a spotlight on community issues, but never, ever talk about three banned topics, religion, politics, and Hearthstone. Now, longtime listeners will know that we actually talk about religion and politics pretty frequently, but I've still not managed to break Phil on talking about Hearthstone. Believe me, I am trying. But you guys might notice today that there's only one voice here, and that's because I accidentally took Phil and I used the old meat in the sewers trick to get him to hunt down and try to find a Kadobopas deep underneath the basement of LA. Unfortunately, he believes he's still in a long-term LARP, and I hope that someday he resurfaces to join us again. In the meantime, though, we have a very special guest on this episode, and it's going to be really cool, and I look forward to introducing him in a few minutes. But first, some of you have asked us, how can you help the show? Well, the first way you can help the show is obviously by listening to the show, and then by telling your friends to listen to the show, and by sharing the show on all of your social media, and your Twitters, your Instagram, your Snapchats, your, I don't know, your Vine, whatever it is you use, and letting other people know about it. Word of mouth is really the best way to go to share podcasts and things like that. And the other way you can help us is by going to YouTube and watching the video episodes of our show all the way to the end. This helps the YouTube algorithm surface our content later so that people can find it and also join the Commander community. Finally, if you actually want to help us financially, which is wonderful and we're deeply, deeply grateful for each of you that do, you can go to patreon.com forward slash commander in MTG and donate a minimum of a buck a show. Even that little will help us stay on the air because Phil and I do this entirely on our own with our own funding and with the help of our beloved patrons who chip in every month. Even a bare minimum buck a show will help us get this content out to hundreds of thousands of listeners every month who want to sit and learn about Commander. We do it because of you and we do it with your help and only with your help. If you don't like Patreon for whatever reason, you can also go to commanderandmtg.com forward slash donations and do one-time PayPal donations if you'd like to. We totally appreciate that too. But today, we're not just going to sit and listen to my fundraiser talk. I actually got one of my good friends to come on the show, a person that I've been trying to get on the show for a long time now. One of the pillars of the modern community. Why, yes, modern. This is, in fact, why I managed to make Phil diverted and shunt him off the show. Alex Kessler, co-host of the Masters of Modern podcast, who also plays a whole ton of EDH. And we brought him on to talk about his decks, his podcast, and this brand new game that he's going to be releasing on Kickstarter. Hey, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, everybody. Alex, as you guys might know, is a professional podcaster, so he actually is pretty good at this. So can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Because our community tends to be mostly 100-card players, and they don't really understand the 60-card lifestyle. That's fair, uh, and I sympathize. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, my name is Alex Kessler. I am the president of a toy and game company called Kess, but I've also been the host and was the founder of the podcast Masters of Modern. I also created the web series Top Decking, uh, which people might have watched, and I've guessed it on the command zone a bunch of times and was on one game of game nights and then uh yeah and that's that's a very very brief explanation of who i am yeah and 
I was actually really surprised to discover that you're like a toy maker, not just a toy store owner or anything. Yeah, uh, I, it's a generational thing. So my grandfather was the original um, patenter of the hula hoop <laughs> in Wait, the fifties. Yeah, I don't know if you, you didn't know that. Uh, yeah, so he was like an, uh, uh, a Depression era plastics manufacturer who like started burning trash during the Depression after like he had to take care of his family because he was the oldest, and then his like younger brothers went to the war. Um, and he like invented stuff that was used on aeronautic planes, plastics, materials. He invented weather stripping, which is that plastic uh, that you have on like windows and doors that keeps air out, uh, push pull caps on water bottles. And then he invented a plastic hoop. And then three years later, a dance troupe came onto the Arc Link Letter show. And one of the dancers did a really intricate dance with a bamboo hoop. And the basic action of just hooping uh, became the fad. And then Arc Link Letter's manager knew my grandfather father and knew that he had the plastic hoop and the manufacturing capabilities to make it. And then they partnered with Whammo, uh, who was the main distributor marketer and the people who came up with the name Hula Hoop. And then all three of them together kind of launched it. And then as soon as the fad kind of dipped down, my grandfather was like, I don't know about toys. I make plastic things and stopped doing that. And then my dad in the 80s, like on the 50th anniversary or 30th anniversary, uh, started another toy company called Maui Toys and they did Hula Hoops again. And then they made a bunch of spring summer toys. And then he sold his company to a company called Jack Specific uh, around eight years ago. Um, and then when Jacks decided to go in a different direction, I was working for them at that point. I left and then I, because I started getting into toys mostly because I started doing, I was part of the tapped out uh, make your own set contest. I was one of the judges on that whole thing that they did when tapped sure. out was first starting out. And I got really into like making my own cards. And then that evolved into me realizing that there's a lot of work to make my own magic cards that no one's really ever going to play. And so I wanted, realized <laughs> I wanted to make my own games um and then i was like oh well my dad works at and owns a toy company i might as well learn how that works since i need to learn how to do that if i want to make games and then joined them and then ended up being really good at making toys um and then started my own company uh with the focus of kind of like continuing the kessler legacy of spring summer outdoor toys uh of which the balls that i sent you are some of them um and then launched the game line that we are kickstarting our first game right now it's called battle bosses you can go check it out on kickstarter uh, or just go to battlebosses.com and you can find all about that and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in a second but yeah that's how toy making happened holy crap <laughs> listeners will tell you that i don't normally get stunlocked on my own show but i'm just hella stunlocked wow that is amazing that is so cool and so like you actually like i know that you've flown out to hong kong and stuff so you go to like factories and have seen them actually making your own toys and things like that yeah factories are awesome i love visiting so we have three factories in the united states um most of the hoops that we make are actually made here uh and then we have three additional factories uh in china and so i go to hong kong it used to be five times a year uh one of the main like selling season shows has been moved to england of all places so i now go there and then i go to hong kong the other four times that is super cool last year and part of this was because my fiance uh was living in atlanta for a year because she worked for AT&T, but so I was traveling a lot both for work and to visit her, but I was on 96 airplanes last year. <laughs> I feel like I probably lost 10 years of my life, just like shaved off from that, but <laughs> <laughs> just going back and forth and back. Oh my God. All right. So pause for a second. One thing we do at the beginning of every episode normally is we like to call out three of our Patroni each week who chip in and donate to us. And this week I'd like to call out three of them. Andy Nelson, Brian Hicks, and Ian Crunkleton. Thank you so much for your donations. We genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. And we're super grateful to you and to everybody else who donates to us. And if you donate at the 10 Buck a Show level, you can join us in our private chat group on Facebook, which is super active and super busy all the time. In fact, one of our patrons, super patron Andy Bentley, came out to GPLA to hang out with me and Phil. And it was a blast. Yeah, I should actually spend 10 seconds to talk about GPLA. So I flew down to LA on Thursday before the GP, and I got to hang out with Phil. I met uh, Dana Fisher, the cosplayer who plays Nissa everywhere, who's also like eight years old and has the best elf deck I've ever seen in any format you want, because she's got literally an elf deck in every format. She played an elf EDH deck with Azuri that went infinite and like did something like 700 points of damage to everybody at the table. And also on GPLA... I, me, Phil, Andy, 
and like cosplayer Olivia, um, Gobert Hicks, and a whole bunch of like just cool people. We hung out at the back table of the con hall for like three days and didn't move. Like I kept meaning to go around, say hi to people, go to booths, say hi to, you know, the hosts or the see what's happening in the front of the room. But literally we played Brawl and EDH for three solid days until the hall closed down every single night. It was obscene and absurd. One of the highlights for me was I got to play in a brawl game with four people, including uh, Ruben Bressler from the Magic Mites podcast. And I was playing my Black White Life Gain Crescent Sunmare deck, and he was playing a Atali deck. And I got up to 96 life in that game, and he looped through his deck twice before we finally ended up finishing it. It was the most absurd game I've ever played of any deck with a commander in it. And it was absolutely amazing. You were at LA too, weren't you, Kessler? Yeah, uh, we uh, did this big Masters of Modern MMCast meetup thing that happened afterwards on Saturday, where I think you guys came. Uh, we did like uh, we did like a big grab bag draft where we bought a bunch of something we started doing on the podcast recently since we were starting to do video content and to kind of start building an alliance there as we were doing like pack wars and giving them away. And to kind of kick that off, we did two big uh, chaos draft pods and then, yeah, a bunch of people showed up. We played that. We played Battle Bosses. We played, I played a bunch of Commander uh, with Ruben, even, uh, that whole day <laughs> Like we, while we were waiting to head over there. We played four games. Eli Maring was there, who does a lot of the flavor texts uh, for Magic, and then, and then Ruben and a few other people. And every single game was won by a dragon of some variety <laughs> like it was I, I think uh ruben won one game with arcadius then eli won with nickel bolus and then i won with malfagor and of the three games we played those nice. are the three only winners that i saw so as far as i'm concerned dragons just own gpla it's commander games <laughs> well and apparently azuri <laughs> dude every game i played in had friggin itali in it and itali is so much fun oh like, yeah that, that card just makes games dumb and I love it. I love everything about it. <laughs> Phil and I also got to play a draft of um, a battle bond before I left, and battle bond, hella fun. Oh, cool. I, yeah, it's this summer, especially with the Kickstarter and everything going on, my ability to play limited has decreased a great deal. I don't think I've actually opened an M19 pack. <laughs> um, I was excited about Battlebond. It's just like all of the specialty draft formats like have a very small window where like there's sanctioned events and then like you have to like build your own group. And I still have four boxes of Unstable that I own that I'm just like trying to draft with people. Because... I mean, frankly, that's the best. That's what I do with the GPs. Whenever I go, I always bring a box of weirdo draft mm -hmm. like some people are like wow did you get battle bond here i'm like no man i just brought it because i know this is the only place we can actually get around to playing it right a gp is the only place you're going to find enough willing people to sit and play unstable or battle bond or conspiracy whatever it is because everybody's there to actually play otherwise it's super hard to try to get them together right and, and, it, and it's also people go to a GP, like the way you go to a convention where you're like looking for cool stuff to do and just to hang out. It's exactly. not like, like when you go to F, like when you go to a local card store, you kind of have to follow the schedule that card store has played out. And like, if I'm going to, we go to a place called Heidi Ho nearby. And if we, I go to Heidi Ho on draft night, I'm like, oh guys, I really want to play battle bond. People are going to be like, well, no, we came here to draft yeah. this format. That's like the store is running. And so it, you can't really like kind of convince enough people to really get a full draft going. So one of the things that ended up happening at the GP is that we had a time when there were eight of us sitting there. It was like me and Phil, A.E. Marling, uh, my friend Andy Bentley, uh, this dude from Twitter, Charles named, uh, who's Elevarius, who's a really cool guy, and uh, Olivia, Ruben Bressler, etc. There were like eight of us sitting there and we wanted to play EDH, but we didn't really want to split the groups or anything. So we created a new format on the spot that we call Hydra. So it was four on four. So each side takes their turn simultaneously. We can sit and do our turns. We each have individual lives. That's like the heads of the Hydra. Mm -hmm. But it meant that the game was over in like 30 minutes of a oh, eight nice. player game. It was so cool. Like we went off and did like multiple stacking infinite kind of like combos that involved different players being able to put their stuff down in order. So it felt more like kind of like a puzzle game more than just, okay, well, I'm doing my infinite, you do your infinite. It was more like, well, if I do this Wheel of Fortune and you've got that living end over there, then maybe we can all get together and do this kind of crazy like mondo combo and it was a totally different it was a completely different way of playing edh and it was just really cool it was like super neat to be able to 
like try something new like that. And we played two games of that format and it was just hella fun. Like Phil had his Itali deck. So that meant every turn he was flipping over eight cards to get insane stuff going on. Well, that's, that's, that's like the, uh, and, and Ben and the, the, the Master of Arm podcast kind of has like this philosophy a little bit in its own. I love new cool formats. I like when every, every time something like Brawl comes up, you have like a slew of the internet kind of hating on it where it's like, oh, I just don't, I don't want to play this as another format. And like if someone comes to me with a format, I'm, I'm just always down. And like worst case scenario, we, I don't play it very much. But, you know, we have uh, a format that like our, a small group of us in West L.A. started playing is something called Highlander Roulette, where it's kind of like you have almost six commander decks but it, it's six Highlander decks and the ban list is it has to have a foil printing made and then they're also <laughs> so like which is cool because then like judge promos are also really exciting like when that's uh, a neat idea yeah it, it's really fun it makes like every set that comes out that like even like from the vaults when they like print a new card that's never been foiled are, are, are like cool and then the other additional layer is that they have to be single among all six decks so it's singleton oh. among all of them. So you can't have any repeat cards. So from a like deck building challenge, it's really exciting. So, like, unified um, singleton, basically. Correct. So like, I, you know, you have to like ahead of time kind of plan your mana base out and you have to make sure like, well, I can't have two, three green black decks because there's just not enough lands to sustain that. And then you roll off. So when you play against someone else, you don't choose which deck you're playing. You roll a dice that decides what your deck is and then they roll a dice that decides theirs and then you keep playing until you go down to, you know, it's best out of five or best out of three. Wow. That sounds amazing. I should show you one day when I finish it, I'm making this Chaos Commander set. Basically, uh, I took all the 15 partners that were released uh, two years ago, whenever they put out mm -hmm. the partners the first time, and I made half a deck with each of them. So like a 49 cards in the commander. Oh, cool. And so what you do is you go and you roll two dice. Like the number on the first die gives you one of the five base level commanders. And then so it's like a 2d10 you roll, basically. And so you pick one uh, commander from the base like five and then one of the uh, 10 additional ones you shuffle them together and that becomes your new partner deck that's awesome yeah so it's like every that's time really you play cool. it's basically modular completely different all like 15 of them are sleeved in different colors so that you can separate them out later there might be duplicate cards it doesn't matter because it, who cares it's already right, a right, bonkers right, right. format but it's just the idea of like today i'm gonna play like you know thrasios and ankle shanker or whatever and it's just like completely vile smasher that's the name and it's just like totally weird because it's just like it feels like one of those old transformers toys where you take two different halves and shove them together and they become you know a totally new uh system Right. Really, I think really also cool. I think I don't think you're wrong. I think Ankle Shanker and Vile Smasher are actually the same person from different timelines. Yeah, they they are, but I yeah. I think the Vile Smasher was the partner one. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Vile Smasher <laughs> is the actual card. Well, Ankle Shanker is a card too, but it's not a legendary. It's Yeah, I know. I, I love that. I love Khan's block. Oh, Khan's block is one of my I think it's one of my favorite blocks of all time, and it's easily one of my favorite magic stories of all time. Definitely. It was super cool, and there's so many good things that came out of that block. Oh, yeah. Oh, and one last thing I did. I also played in a Chaos Draft at GPLA, and one of the packs I had was a Kaladesh pack, and the card I cracked open was an Invention Verger's Gear Hulk. Oh, I consider awesome. that to be a win. The fact that I went 3-0 in that draft also helps, but <laughs> Verger's Gear Hulk, I, I just win by by just sitting down. That's the best part oh, yeah. of Chaos Draft, man. This, this whole like summer has really, the whole Magic 25 thing because uh, has really ingrained in me also how much I love old Magic sets because yes. uh, when we did the Chaos Draft, the best part of the whole experience to me was whenever the like Ice Age pack or a Weatherlight pack or the other one that was in was we combined one pack of Homelands and one pack of uh, Fallen Empires together that make one full pack and my favorite part of the whole experience was just like reading cards from that era yes. out loud to the table because <laughs> they're just so much blocks of text that none of them are matter it's like oh, this is a <laughs> this is a creature that you can tap to change the wording on a white or black enchantment to a different word that specifically affects colors in this way but you can only do it to this type of card as long as it's in a graveyard or like yeah like <laughs> i mean my that's favorite a, that's a common that's a common in yeah baldubian shaman man baldubian yeah. shaman the best card in magic you can tap it to change a color like on a white enchantment tap it to change like a color word or something like that to another color word and then add a cumulative upkeep there were like no enchantments in the set that that card right. actually impacted <laughs> but it was a common and it had like two point font and you're like i don't even know what the hell you're trying to do right. with this 
and then we were at Gen Con and our buddy, uh, one of the people I work with and the other designer of the game that we were making, uh, won to get in the beta draft. He beta drafted at Gen oh, Con, which was what? like dope. Yeah, it was Whoa. one of the coolest things. Uh, okay, that's like amazing. A, yeah, we were all like really stoked. Ben and him both came because we were we had a booth at Gen Con for the game and they each like signed up for every day of the week. Just like they picked different times so they would like basically do shifts when one person was in a format and one wasn't. And Ben got to the top eight of one of the, the qualifiers and like was up every night until six in the morning and just couldn't get there. And then Mike like spiked at day one and just like from that point on was in. <laughs> That's amazing. And he opened, I think the, like, I think his big card was Wrath of God. So he has like a beta Wrath of God and then he got like a word of command and a lightning bolt. Dude, just and just like, go. Just I know, it's it. so cool. And like whatever beta land you get. Uh, I think he just got, you got a bunch because you just get a bunch because packs had like seven in one pack. And then like, you know, just looking at the set beforehand from like a, like a limited perspective, there's like eight one ones for one. <laughs> and then like there's like a three three for three is actually like one of the best creatures in the format because that's it <laughs> there's one well my favorite is the fact that you would get things like elvish archers or whatever at rare and it's like a two one with first strike is your rare or like the uh, timber wolves you know like one one banding right and it's like what banding it is by for the record an insane ability <laughs> It's like, just, yeah, but it, I lived through it the first time. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> I wouldn't want to ever play with banding in a format like limited, like in a modern day format where it is like a major mechanic of a set that I'm drafting a lot for three months. But like having banding show up in a once in a while experience, I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, like I love Chaos Draft. I'll do it all the time. So yeah, that was that was GPLA. It was amazing, and I am so glad I went. It was a complete blast. Thank you to all the listeners who came. Uh, it was wonderful to meet all of you. But can you tell us about this game that you just designed? What's going on with that? Yeah, so it's called Battle Bosses. Uh, you are a player taking the role of a boss, uh, which are different giant beings. They can be gods. They can be monsters. Uh, for example, the first six bosses that you can get right now uh, that start the, that are kind of starting the game, there's Cthulhu. There's Ryu, who's a dragon goddess with samurai minions. Um, there's uh, Mechabot with this kind of a giant mech suit. Uh, there's um, Grakthar, who's a giant ogre. <laughs> uh, what did I say? There's Cthulhu, Ryu, Mechabot. Uh, there's Doc Explosion, who's like a mad scientist, who she's enlarged herself with like a, a growth blaster, um, and she's like terrorizing the the city of Futropolis um, with her brain bots. And then the missing one off the top of my head, which I should be better at, uh, Captain Boat, uh, who is a half boat, half pirate man, uh, who is has pirate minions. Um, so basically, you get this giant monster, and it's this big miniature action figure that you get on the board. That's kind of your main piece, and then you can summon minions, and you get upgrade cards. And it kind of plays like a combination of, uh, or the base game plays like a combination of uh, King of Tokyo, if you guys, if anyone is familiar with that, and Magic. So like you're playing as these big, almost you know, stereotypical monsters that are attacking a city, but then you're fighting each other, and then you're like summoning minions, and you have cards that upgrade each boss. And then there's also a six-player variant um, where each team has a map, and there's neutral monsters, and it plays a lot like a game like League of Legends or Dota or Heroes of the Storm. So it's more MOBA-y. But we built it to be versatile. So like you know, there's multiplayer, there's four-player modes uh, where you just kind of free for all and plug it in kind of like commander we're all pretty much 90 percent of the team are big magic players or commander players so we're mm. all really into that kind of like multiplayer gameplay and yeah it's a blast there's a, even more that you can unlock so depending on how well the kickstarter does right now we're kind of on track to succeed during the last week so uh, anyone who's listening please check it out please uh donate and even at the 30 dollar level that gets you two bosses of your choice or the 120 dollar level that gets you everything and then all these extra add-ons because if we can get to the success point which is only 40 which is forty five thousand dollars uh this game exists and we can't do it without everyone's help so definitely check it out um but yeah so it's a is it meant to be a collectible game yeah so it's different than magic where you get a bunch of cards and you kind of pick what deck is going to look like each boss comes with its own deck that is unique to it and and you don't really kind of modify what it looks like the way you kind of more modify it is you get to choose kind of your team comp so you want to collect all different bosses so you can try out the best way to kind of play with them and with your friends as a team when you play in multiplayer or, or, or in the 
uh, kind of MOBA mode. But you want it's a collectible game in the sense that you want to collect them all, not in necessarily that it's a blind box or you don't know what you're getting when you buy one. And the map looked really neat. I'm a big fan of like map games. I'm a big fan of like the boards of board games and of okay. minis and things. I didn't get a chance to actually play it because you guys had started the Chaos Draft. But from what I saw of it and when I saw the setup and everything, it looked really cool. Like I think your your pieces look really cool. Thank you. It, basically, each boss comes with uh, nine base tiles and all of the artwork. We had the the artwork, the artist who did the game The Descent and the Star Wars uh, Imperial Assault. Uh, he's the map designer from all of those. He did this big giant map that kind of crosses all four main worlds that we visit or all five main worlds that we visit in Battle Bosses because all of the different characters are from different universes and they're being smushed together because the space in between their worlds is being kind of pulled apart and so it's they can like now travel to different universes and timelines and so um, he kind of did this giant map and then so each boss comes with nine tiles that are a zoomed in section of that map and then the big map you get when you do the uh, what we call arena mode which is the 3v3 uh, or 2v2 version of the game is the entire piece of artwork that he made with kind of a map built on top of it and it's basically it's like a hex grid and you can overlay your own kind of or like the tiles that associate with your boss over it right yeah so so like you can buy a new like what you saw at the GP where we have neoprene mats that are an add-on on the Kickstarter yeah. that you can you can buy um, that are just like a, a play mat that so you don't have to like have all the tiles plug into each other but it's built to be modular because we want people to kind of build their own maps and like right. design their own like kind of way of playing with each other we even have a, a an unlockable tier that's a land pack that comes with a bunch of stuff that add like terrain effects like it costs more energy to walk through this space or this space does damage to you if you stay in it too long yeah and, it reminded me a lot of uh hero clicks in that way yeah. or of like other like miniature style games where like the old D&D minis combat games where you're like, I bring these map components and this is the parts that I'm going to set up and those are the parts you're going to set up. We'll combine them and make this new map that we're going to fight on. The, and your sculpts look amazing. Thanks. Yeah, you can check out pictures of them. My favorite is definitely Captain Boat, who is the half pirate, half boat captain. <laughs> uh, he's got a he's got a, a cannon for his left arm and a, and his his sail is his like one side is a glowing blue eye and the other side is a eye patch uh, sail that's over his <laughs> other sail. I'm, I'm really into it. How did you come up with the idea for this? The original point was uh, actually a game of magic <laughs> where I was playing kind of a super friends deck and I had like six planeswalkers in play at once and was playing kind of just where I would by activating each one I, it felt kind of like using bases and so that evolved into me making uh, the first version of the game called Terra which was always started as kind of like you get a collectible tribe and then your your tribe was more of like a base so it was more like Starcraft or Red Alert which was my RTS of choice growing up. I definitely played a lot of Red Alert. Yeah so you would have like a, a basically a skill tree and then so you would start with the main base and then you would tick it up like a planeswalker you're getting to activate it every turn and then eventually you would have enough to, but instead of an ultimate it basically you build a new building and then you can activate both of those buildings up every turn and then eventually unlock more buildings and then this eventually created enough of a base that you're you know creating uh, tokens that would start trying to fight and defeat your other person's base or different units we played a six hour version of the game and I believe no one still has ever finished uh, it <laughs> uh, and one of the issues that we ran into was that just a computer could play it and win and everyone who plays magic kind of agrees with this you want to be able to have human decisions and human choices and unknown information so there wasn't just like, oh, after the first two minutes, we could just do the math here and decide who's going to win this game, uh, regardless of the decisions we make. And so uh, we kind of revisited it. We kind of moved away. I started playing a little bit of a game called Star Wars Destiny, which is the Star Wars TCG that uh, Fantasy Flight released two years ago. And it uses dice in a way that are really interesting. So started kind of looking at what that looked like. And eventually we came up with the dice mechanic we have, which is dices are our kind of uh, mana in our game. So there's two types of resources. You can get energy or crystals. Crystals let you play cards and so and it can be saved up from turn to turn so you can get more and more crystals captain boat specifically is about hoarding crystals because he's a pirate <laughs> and then uh the other resource which is energy which you have to use that turn um and then we moved away from bases that kind of just like a like a tree that kind of builds itself and made it something that you have a cards in your hand and you can play upgrades and uh your boss comes with a tile that kind of plays a little bit planeswalkery where it starts with uh, a base ability to move a base ability to make minions uh, a base ability for your minions to move a cantrip ability which normally is uh it's a, if you know shapeshifters 
in Magic, mm. you discard a card for a small effect because um, we needed shapers. ways. Spell shapers, sorry, the ultimate ability. I know spell shapers. I'm mad at myself. <laughs> uh, and then an ultimate ability, which if you can like roll perfect rolls on your dice, uh, or in the late game when you unlock more and more dice, you can get it more easily. Is like a big move. A pirate that hoards treasure and then energy tokens. What are you going to do after rotation? Because obviously you're playing standard here. <laughs> I, I don't know. Rotation hurts everyone. <laughs> well, uh, this is really cool, and I will definitely put a link up in the show notes, and I will tweet it out. You guys should definitely support it. It's really awesome to see somebody in our community making something, and I'm really excited to play this game. It looks hella sick. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's the nice thing, and you know we're doing okay for the Kickstarter, and, and we are aiming for a last-minute push to kind of get across the finish line, so we do need people's help. Um, but we have a bunch of reviews on there, and every person who's played it and reviewed, and these are like board game reviewers that have, you know, most of them don't have a reason to be nice to us. Uh, kind of all have stated and because we're giving prototypes out they're like these are prototypes but like this game is great like people have a really good game we made it really easy to play too so like jumping in is really really easy but there's a lot of depth you know we we definitely are good at I, I took the the slash new world order slash Nintendo game approach of making games that have a pretty easy barrier to entry but then you have a lot of depth that you can kind of expand into as you get more and more uh, into the, the game moral lenticular design exactly definitely check it out well there's not a really good segue from there this does look like the work of somebody who designs a lot of decks because it definitely looks like it's got a lot of depth and layers to it so let's talk about some of the decks you've designed we're going to talk about commander on a commander podcast (laughs) (laughs) you know what that's one of the most common criticisms we get that ever since achievement came on all we do is interview people well what do you want i like to talk to people about magic that's what we're here for let me tell you guys i've been playing commander for a long time uh one would argue that i'm the person who got jimmy into commander and i believe that got josh into commander from the command zone me and craig blanchett originators of that that whole situation you created a monster man i know it was uh, i've mistakes have been made <laughs> josh is ruthless <laughs> um and yeah no I, i've i've been a, like basically my second deck i had in magic after because i played back in tempest era and then quit when uh I got in middle school and it got banned in high school because people are banned in school because people are taking, you know, cards from kids as it happened in the 90s. And then uh, got back into it during 10th edition and pretty quickly jumped in. My first commander deck was a Taneb uh, reanimator deck. And I've been in love with the graveyard ever since. (laughs) I was just thinking back to uh, getting my cards confiscated in middle school. Sorry. Oh, yeah. It happened. It was bad. And then, like, you moved the Pokemon because you, like, could lie and then then tell, <laughs> tell people it was a different thing. And, like, mostly you played the Game Boy game because the actual card game is, like, just fine, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, then teachers like, wait a second. <laughs> this is the same thing. And kids are still stealing from each other. And then yeah, no, that like got banned. For us, it, was, it went from Pogs to Magic Cards, Magic Cards to Pokemon. I mean, you remember the olden days. It was good oh, times. Oh, no, I, I, rode, I rode every one of these trains. I was I was big <laughs> in the Pogs. I had a Slammer. Actually, so I mentioned Top Decking, which was the web series. We are, like, my first, like, big Magic adventure uh, in content creation. We did a short video called Slammer Stacks, which was a pog themed version of our show within the universe of our show oh goodness (laughs) so you could go find that it's uh it's it's very weird (laughs) yeah we we bought like like a thousand pogs on youtube on on ebay just to make that like that one short work and (laughs) there's a pog pro tour in that video i believe (laughs) I wonder what the Pog Tour Hall of Fame is like. Uh, They're probably maybe a little bit kinder than apparently the Magic Hall of Fame people. (laughs) It has been a brutal Twitter environment for the last three weeks. Yeah. Luckily, Commander does not give one hoot about who is in the Hall of Fame, but it does care, in fact, about who's in your Commander deck. Now, one thing I did want to ask you about, you have a Kess deck. And that's for obvious I reasons. Do. I do. I actually got to preview that card. It is my life achievement. Ignore everything else we've talked about. The fact that I got to preview as Kess. My Twitter is at Kess Wiley. Uh, and my last name is Kessler. And my company is called Kess. I got to preview the card Kess on Twitter as just myself. Uh, was the best. <laughs> it was just the best thing ever. <laughs> I have it. I have the deck. It doesn't have that many like expensive cards in it. But I have it currently triple sleeved just because. <laughs> 
I joke about this a lot. They're like, oh, you know, people are double sleeving. You put your inner sleeve, you put your outer sleeve. I'm like, real people need to triple sleeve and put their things mm-hmm. into big plastic shells. You friggin' did it. Like, your yeah. text is triple sleeved. It's like seven inches tall. So there was a reason for it, and it's not – well, like, one, it's ridiculous, and I thought it was just kind of the perfect thing to do. Uh, two, <laughs> uh, and I have – like, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. My uh, my uh, Geist of St. Traff deck is all foil. Like, I have a deck that is all foil. It is not Cass, uh, mostly because it's come out recently, and I just can't afford that yet. <laughs> I'm slowly yeah, building up God. to it. I did it because the sleeves I bought are the um, – I forget which company made them, but they're the Awesome Mix Volume 1, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, like... Cassette tape, right? Cassette tape. There we go. I was going to say vinyl tape, and that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but the the cassette tape as the back of the sleeve, which I, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then... But they're terrible to shuffle. They're just like the worst shuffling experience I've ever had. And then I noticed that there was a way to triple sleeve them. I, like the local game store got triple sleeves in or like outer sleeves. And I was like, oh, this makes shuffling this significantly better and then i bought in and now now i have a triple sleeved cast deck so that's the world i live in (laughs) it's so absurd it's so absurd i love it but it's completely absurd (laughs) it is one of the sillier things that i've done showing up to a magic (laughs) which says a lot which says a lot (laughs) so i see here that because we ask our guests what your edh decks are and you put down 10 of them which is i mean admittedly most of us who are in the content creation game have like a closet full of edh decks that's just kind of how we roll Tell me about your decks, man. Like, what's going on here? So, so excluding Kess, which kind of ruined the system uh, for good reason, but um, and has like slightly broken broken the seal, and I've started maybe evolving past this rule. But for like maybe seven years now, I've had a hard rule of only having one two color deck in Commander for each of the two t- two color combinations, and it kind of just started with me having an affinity for two color decks. I never have really loved three color, especially early on in my Magic career mm. when I did have as many good two-color lands in my life as I do now. <laughs> uh, sure. Investing in a modern has helped that. And then, you know, to make mana easier, it just made it easier. And then it made it kind of differentiated. It, it gave me a reason to play as different colors. So I started with like four of them, and then I had a fifth one. And then I was like, well, at this point, if I just make the remaining five, I will have all ten. And then this is the ten I have. And I'm going to live in this hard rule that doesn't need to exist for any reason. If you can tell, I'm an Azorius player. <laughs> and and so that's how it happened. And so I've kind of always kept these 10. And when a new commander that kind of fits or makes one better, uh, there's a, like two here that when we go through with them, I'm definitely keeping an eye out uh, for a new one. And then there's one that is literally on the cusp of changing. I just like have friends who have this deck actually built because they've had time since this card came out. And so I've been like eyeing what they're doing and be like, do I want to knock what they're doing off or do I want to just keep what I'm doing here? And we'll get into that. All right. Well, then actually, why don't we get into that? I like this idea of having like one deck per guild. I've been trying that, but really all I have is this is my favorite token deck. Oh, wait, no, this is my favorite token deck. But realistically speaking, all of my decks are also two color deck. So let's start off with Tristani because I do love me some Silesia. Okay, so starting with the one one tribe that we've got in a preview card of, and I, I think actually, why don't we do it by Guilds of Ravnica first, and then we'll do okay, the next sure. set that I don't know, so we can be on theme with what's going on in the world today. That being that we're going back to Ravnica, and everyone's excited. Uh, so Tristani, Tristani is actually the last one. Uh, it was the first high-powered deck, and it used to be Gattic Um was the original point of the green-white. It started with green-black, green-white, and blue-white. I don't know if you've ever played with the Gattic deck, but it is a quick way to make no friends. Gattic <laughs> is a hateful, hateful card. Uh, he, he just he just doesn't want people to play mean things. I don't know why people are so mad at him. Yeah, I can't imagine why a format that's devoted to like eight and greater casting cost spells would care about a guy who says you can't cast things more than like four. I, I agree. I don't understand it either. It doesn't make sense. Uh, so after getting, you know, he was very powerful, but then it, it basically kind of put me into a position of I either have to totally lock this game down and then every person is going to try and kill me as fast as they can yes and so moving away from that i tried a few different commanders and then eventually settled on tristani because um and this was when birthing pod got banned out of modern (laughs) uh i was like well i want to keep playing this card (laughs) and so started building it into more of a birthing pod kind of kitchen finks themed deck and i realized that like this had a lot of token uh mechanics and a lot of life gain and so it actually is unless it's not leaning as much on tristani's token making abilities which it does have you know any creative token card i can come up with uh is in the deck my favorite of 
which is I, I want to call it Phyrexian Chamber, but I don't know if that's actually it's called. It's the one that you pay life and you can make tokens equal to Isn't how that big Phyrexian processor or something like that. Yes, processor. So that exists, but it is very much more of a Soul Sisters deck that is about kind of gaining life as many different ways as possible and trying to get large life totals and and doing the shenanigans that happen when you have abnormally high life totals. One of the things I've been trying to do for a long time is build an Abzan or Selesnia style birthing pod deck. Basically, I just want a really good reason to use uh, Siege Rhino again. And so it looks like I might need to borrow your deck list here because this yeah. sounds like it's right off my alley. Well, the, the best birthing pod deck I've actually built. So I, and you can actually, the, the second episodes of Game Nights, it, I played it. It was the deck I played on Game Nights um, was right when Partners came out. I realized that because of the Highlander format I talked about, there mm. are, one of my decks is a birthing pod deck. And like, there are like three cards in it that aren't legal in, in, in um, Commander. And the reason I always would never play it is because birthing pod really likes red black hybrid goblin that shocks things and then has persist the guy whose kitchen fix his best friend um murderous red cap should know this i'm gonna have a modern podcast my job is to talk about modern cards <laughs> i am famous for having a podcast and not knowing how to say words <laughs> uh so murderous red cap and uh so but when the partner commanders came out it allowed me to play with the partners that combine into those colors uh, it was tinma and and tana the double T's, Timma and Tana. Uh, and, and really, Tana's there just so I could pretend to have red in the deck. I think I had one mountain in there just in case I needed the caster because there's enough <laughs> overgrowth effects. And the, the point of the deck was just that it, it would let me play Murderous Red Cap in my color colors and that gets you really far so i definitely recommend that version of the deck and i'll send you that list it's really cool i feel like murderous red cap and like pot and whatever just feels like cheating almost you know it's like, <laughs> okay we're going infinite i have like a single mountain <laughs> i'm <Yay>. suffering i <laughs> promise <laughs> all right so then let's talk about uh geist Geist. Okay. So Geist is the all foil one. Uh, so I, I foiled out Geist pretty early on and it has increased in price in a way that I didn't even ever expect it to, which is really nice. It's not as Voltron-y as people kind of normally expect it to be. People normally expect me to show up and then just start laying on enchantments or equipment onto him and pounding people. It's much more of a control deck that just is meant to have Geist as a finisher so I can play him. And then as I play, there's a lot of Planeswalkers in the deck. So as like I have Planeswalkers in play or other things, they have to kind of I can control the board and then Geist just kind of gets incidental damage into places. And then mm. with cards like Sovereign's The Lost of Lara or any double striking providing cards, Geist of Saint Shaft immediately becomes a big threat that can start one shot killing people uh, as I like, you know, board wipe or do other things to kind of make sure I don't die. He's my favorite. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, as, as an aside, one of the things that's always me off about Commander has always been the fact that you can bring somebody like Geist or somebody like, I don't know, Rafik or whatever, and people always assume that you're going to try to Voltron combo kill them. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm here because either I want the flavor or there's like, you know, it's just a good commander. Like, you right. can't, there's some commanders they just don't let you play fair decks with. Like, you'll never be able to get away with a fair Atraxa deck just because everybody assumes that you're going to be some degenerate. And I'm like, no, dude, I just want to play a Gave of the Spores deck except with four colors instead of three. Relax. Right. Well, and Geist, Geist gets a little bit more under the radar for this. Geist is much more of a dangerous card in... in or was in tiny leaders or, or older formats just because there are better Voltron ones at this point. It's a lot quicker with Geist to know that I'm not trying to Voltron him out. It's not like with Rafik, you like go from, oh, it's fine to, oh, I'm dead. <laughs> Geist at least like is like a 2-2 normally. Uh, what's cool about him is the angel token lets you kind of do like people don't realize that you can attack the angel token not and who you're attacking with Geist. So you can yep. kind of split the damage you're going after. It's also really good at like just knocking out random planeswalkers that are around, which is nice. And then also any commander that lets me play Sundial on the Infinite in it for a reason or any reason just makes me happy. Um, and so being able to keep the angel tokens with Sundial. Man, you know what would be dumb in Geist? Helm of the Host. Oh, yeah. Helm of the That's Host really on your Geist. You clone your Geist and then you get a Geist and another angel token. And then you just start going to stupid town. That card's really good. I need a foil of this. I mean, to be fair, Helm of the Host might as well be the most obscene card I've ever seen. It's got to be, if it's not in like every commander deck you're running, then you need to have a really good reason why you're not running Helm of the right. Host. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So what's your next take you want to talk about? 
Uh, all right, let's go in order of this list on this this thing. Uh, <laughs> arch angle, uh, uh, or arch angle, arch arch angel, arch angel. There we go. Archangel Avacyn. Uh, Avacyn, uh, which is Boros, and uh, for is a while, that the one is... that flips into angry Avacyn? Yes, it is the one that flips into angry Avacyn. Which, like, once again, it's another like people look at it like, are you sure this is how this works? And I'm like, yes, I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> Uh, it used to be Tajik, and then it moved into this. There's a little bit of an injectual, uh, indestructible theme. Uh, this is really a Boros Reckoner deck, secretly. I would, I oh, would I love Boros Reckoner. give a lot of money to a Wizards employee if they made a Boros Reckoner c- legendary creature. <laughs> Mostly through like me buying the product that they make it in. <laughs> God, I need to make a Boros Reckoner slash Firesong and Tonspeaker deck. Uh, so that's so I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that one of these is like possibly changing, and it depends on. And I have friends who've done it already, and I've been like eyeing their deck. That's this that uh, the Fire Speaker and Sun Song. Fire Song and Tonspeaker. There we go. I said the backwards, but uh, uh, so that. That is a very easy transition for the deck. Um, the one issue is just there's cards I don't have or I need to buy p- to make that full transition because you really want like a good spell package with them. And this yeah. is much more of just like creatures redirecting damage and giving things indestructible so that you can kind of like go infinite with life and, and death touch or like, you know, Bastis exactly. Caller or stuff like that. So um, it's really good. It's like a really fun deck. And like the Fire Song version is definitely a, an easy transition for it. For me, I, ha- I don't have any like Spells Matter deck specifically. I love the idea of having like all your spells gain lifelink and they do extra damage if they gain you life etc yeah with that and like you know boros reckoner you can do all these silly infinites or just ways to like refract damage and life into each other Mm -hmm. and just start going off and like chaining in weird ways and that just appeals to me as somebody who doesn't want to just play a straightforward blue based spells deck i love the idea of just having these two guys just do really weird bizarre spell tricks but also there's uh i'm looking it up because i'm not remembering the name of the card it's an equipment it costs three it's rare it has blue and red in its activation it is a hammer of some variety and it is called i meant white red yeah that's a hammer of like Sunforger. there we go yeah it's really good in their deck it's really good i recommend it Sunforger in a fire song and sun speaker deck is just fantastic yep it well the problem is it's like it's very specific in the things you need from it i would imagine it would see more play also if blue white and or jeskai decks were better or more popular or weren't just like degenerate like the ones that exist yeah like every jeskai deck i've seen is like narset doing stupid things mm-hmm. but uh like sunforger your equipment creature gets plus four plus oh nobody cares about that because the real trick is for a red and a white you can unattach it and search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and cast that card for free. That makes this stupid good. Especially yeah. if you've got that white guy who makes like all your equipment costs free to equip. Then you can just start chaining off and really with Firefong and Sunspeaker and Boros Reckoner and like, you know, Boros uh, Charm. Boros Charm to make him indestructible. Suddenly you've got a loop for as high as your mana is. And you can just go to uh, Happy Town. Yeah, I'm into that. I'm into that. Make yeah, that happen. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like that's a deck I need to build and just talk about because it sounds like a really really cool idea. All right. So next next color combo, Demir. Uh, this is Draglord Silumgar. This is really easy. Every single card in the deck is either mind control clone or some type of like spell steal effect like Spelljack or reanimate someone else's graveyard effect. I built it because I wanted a deck that no matter what I did was the power level of whoever I was playing as playing against because every card that I kill them with is their own and it's their fault for <laughs> com- <laughs> um, and it's great I like win with it way more than I expect to because I just think like if you're playing the best things other people are playing eventually stuff's going to be good and just as a commander itself I've seen a lot of people do this with um, the Hexproof uh, Head of Demir Lizov and I like Silmgar better just from the perspective of like stealing Planeswalker ultimates out of nowhere and just like someone plays an Eldrazi it's yours is like really powerful and just randomly being a 3-5 Death Hutcher is also really nice. Yes, I like Silmgar a lot. Um, he's in my Ur Dragon deck. I was thinking about putting him into my Zombies deck but he's a little off theme yeah. but I like him a lot just as a, a really cool card. I mean, yeah, every Silmgar deck kind of feels the same but that's okay because they're always fun so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think I think the just like the port purpose of it is purely I want a deck that I have that can sit at any table and no matter how casual or how competitive I'm going to be able to at least be somewhat competitive. Uh, the biggest issue is just like every card in the deck costs more than five because that's mm. how spell stealing effects work in Magic. So yep. like the more stuff they print that costs less than that, <laughs> the happier I'll be. Um. <laughs> yes, totally fair. 
But clones, clones, and mind controls. Dragon Lore Silmgar. Next is Golgari. It's Marin. I actually did a deck tech on a Command Zone episode, so you, people can watch that if they want a full, full deck tech. Um, it's just a Marin deck. I've had yeah. it since Marin came out. I like transferred it to Gitrog for a while, and I just recently brought it back to Marin, partly because just Gitrog, like I opened a foil Gitrog. It's a dope card. I'm really into it. It just is like not fun to play with <laughs> <laughs> see that's the thing like i have a titania deck and i keep flirting with the idea of switching to a get rug deck mm-hmm. but the thing is get rug is a great card in the 99 it's not a great card as your general it's not the card i want as a general and now that we have like wind grace i can at least do the full jund thing and stick him in there but i don't want I don't I don't like the deck that comes out of a Gitrog deck. Yeah, it's it's you don't like you can't really kill people. They they can't really kill you. Eventually like something happens yeah. that causes you to win, but you're kind of just mis- everyone's unhappy the whole time. It's like my biggest complaint in with black green commander decks in general is that their eventual board state is I have infinite mana. I can tutor for any card on the planet, but I don't really have a great way to kill you, so I just am exhausted in playing this deck, <laughs> and you guys are exhausted in watching me trying to figure out how to win this combo. And like, there's easy ways to do it, but like, tooth and nail sucks. Like, I don't know. Like, just like, oh, I, I got Triskelion and Micaeus in play, great. And everyone's like, oh, that was unfun for everyone. So like, if you want to avoid doing I win combos in a deck combination that's really good at getting them, it's you know who knows what to do with it. And so like, Mirren at least is like more of a grindy graveyard deck, which I do enjoy. It, it is like I've had the green black. Black deck since the beginning. It was originally Teneb. Like Teneb was what started it. That be- then became Nath uh, of the Guildleave, who I love. Um, it just that also ended up in a state that no one was having fun because it just ends up with you discarding everyone's hand with uh, the Hypnotist. Uh, and then that <laughs> went to Marin, and then that Marin went to Get Wrong, and now it's back to Marin. And just mostly because you get to play Spore Frog. Like who doesn't love a Commander deck that Spore Frog is the best card in the deck? <laughs> I feel like that's what all I want to be doing in Magic. And the other reason, like with the problem with Get Wrong, is I already had a lands matter deck and that was Borogamos the enraged which is the next card on this list which is nice Borogamos <laughs> is awesome he's one of my faves he's definitely a blast yeah because he's throwing his land at your yeah, face pun intended <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to try to like combine get rog and Borogamos and make that like mega jun land deck i've definitely thought about it if another red green commander and we're about to go to ravnica the place of many two color commanders so maybe that'll happen comes out that i am excited to build i would definitely think about it because i have already broken the seal with kess and so like going into the three the world of three color decks is something i've started doing slowly and doing a wind grace deck with kind of combining what was gitrog and what is borgamos into one giant deck is definitely something that's like a, a pretty easy upgrade um there's something that are different like it becomes much more of a like life from alone is the most important card in this deck and everything else is secondary versus Borgamos, which is like giving him infect is really cool and mean at the same time. Uh, <laughs> um, he's a little bit more of like a combo deck. So I don't know. It is, it would be a different play style, but I definitely like might do it anyways. I'm planning this kind of deck with uh Borborygmos, with Omnath, the angry with Gitrog, with Titania. And so they're all just like, they're completely different ways to mess with lands. They're all in the same pile. So it's just going to be like, which way do I get what do the dice tell me? Right. It'll be awesome. And and I think there's a level of like all those cards work together. I might even have like two of each card because most of the cards that would be in this deck are either not expensive or things that I have multiples of for 60 card construction, but aren't in all 60 card construction formats. So like are mm. just available. It'll be interesting. I'm excited to eventually get to that. I'm excited for another cool... My problem with with Gruul as a color combo in Commander in general is like 99% of Gruul cards or Gruul commanders are just like, how big is my thing that attacks you? And like, at least with Borogamos, the attacking part of that experience is the least important part of his card. I do attack people with him because he's a 7 six or seven eight whatever and like he draws cards when he does damage but the purpose of it is more just like to have a seismic assault attached to my commander fair very fair and then of course there's uh mina and den the gruel guys from uh oath of the Gatewatch that let you play an extra land and then return a land to give a creature trample which yes, also works great. well with Love them. like all of you guys it's synergized with Borborygmos too because i mean it lets you put more lands in your hand which you could then throw into people's faces oh yeah no i think you know people kind of hated on the commander 19 how unthematic that set is but just getting one commander in jund that lets you play all these cards together is really cool uh exactly. and i'm definitely exactly. excited to i'm excited to eventually i'm going to build that deck there's no chance i don't in my life it's just at this exact moment i've been like i don't know if i want to get rid of Borogamos 
and and well, Marin already. Rigmos. I'm never saying that word correctly. I say sage rhino instead of seed rhino. Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> Guy who has a podcast, you can't say card names. Uh, let me finish these off. <laughs> Orzov yeah. is Taza. It's just a aristocrats Taza deck that can remove things. It's fun. It's good, mm-hmm. but it's it's just very much that. Uh, Simic is uh, Momir Vig. To be totally honest, I like couldn't. It had similar problems that I had with green black decks, where just every time I played, it would just be like I drew a bunch of cards and I generated a bunch of mana. How do I win? Every Simic ends up playing effectively the same. I'm going to make an Eryxmethes ramping into giant monsters deck just because I want to have one. I know oh, that they're I love all together. It. I love that card. It's so cool. That's the land, right? Yeah, it's the land. Oh, it's the best. It's the land oh, that kept for green, blue, and lets me play Mahamoti Jin. I don't know why people are hating on this new commander set. That card is so dope. It makes the whole set. <laughs> so here's the thing. The new commander set is a collection of individual really, really cool cards and then a bunch of hot duds. Like that Hydra that like exiles dudes from your own graveyard. No, thank you. Oh, really? I love that card, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. I, but it reanimates things. Yeah, I don't know. What's the what's the dumb card it's based off of that was like an inside joke for LSV for like 10 years? It was like black two exile card from your graveyard. It gains haste and comes into play. Um, oh, whatever. It's gone. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird inside joke that's like more obscure than Stormcrow. Uh, Rakdos is Malfagor, and he's my fave after Geist. Uh, he is a artifact reanimator deck that has Malfagor is there because he's a discard outlet that sometimes wipes the board and then everything else is just a really good machine head uh bobbles uh deck it's the best <laughs> uh it touch, shuts down the attack step it Malfagor is really 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 good with uh bridge from not bridge from below ensnaring bridge one of the bridges <laughs> <laughs> yes ensnaring bridge uh, yeah so it's great I recommend not playing. I, I can't play it. So like it was the deck I wanted to take on game night so badly. And then they were like, well, you have to be able to kill each other. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to work here, but it's great. <laughs> Every Malfagor deck I've ever seen has just been like, oh, God, why? <laughs> Most Malfagor decks I see are like, I'm going to attack you. Like I have a big six, six and I'm here about being Rakdos and coming at you and yeah, I'm discarding cards, but that's really just like to get this big thing that's making you sack your board. Not what I'm doing here. I'm here to have a big six, six in play that can't attack or block and is just chilling. And then all my other things are doing stuff. I'm going to be playing bobbles. I'm going to be playing. Oh, what's the card? Oh man. It's the best card. It's the engine. It's a six drop. It lets you reanimate one drops. There we go. It is Salvaging Station, the best. That card is amazing. <laughs> Highly recommend it in any deck you can put it into. I know I'm not making it sound as exciting as I could, but let me tell you, I'll get a deck list to the world. It's sweet. You get to reanimate all the artifacts. It plays Scrap, not Scrap Mastery. What's the what's the uh, Living Death, but for artifacts? Isn't that what it was? Scrap Mastery or... Um... Oh, it is Scrap Mastery. It's 100% Scrap Mastery. Scrap Mastering is really fun. <laughs> Making yeah, that like card work that is card, great. I don't know why that's not in my Brea deck, but it's going back in there. I think I just never got around to putting it. It plays a lot like a Goblin Planeswalker. Like Duretti? Duretti. It plays a lot like a Duretti deck, uh, except by getting access to black, you just get a lot of cooler graveyard shenanigans than you normally would get with red. Like, there's a lot of cards that I'm playing that all have flashback that allow me to, you know, the black flashback cards let you rebuy creatures from your graveyard and rebuy stuff. So it, it kind of plays a little bit more, a little bit weirder, but a little smoother than just a classic Duretti deck. Not that everyone likes Duretti decks, but let me tell you, it's a blast. <laughs> I love this, decks. this was the dragon that won at GPLA. This was my dragon that won versus Reuben Bressler's <laughs> wall-loving dragon. Or you said his name correctly. It's not Eli. It is... A.E. Marling. A.E. Marling. A.E. Marling played Nickel Bolas, and that was also really good. So dragons are just winning everywhere. Those are my 10 commander decks. My favorite two are Geist and Malfagor. And Kess, but he's not, or she's not two-player. <laughs> I am like so desperate to convince a cosplayer in the world to help help me build a gender bent version of Kess because I want to walk around a GP with flying little bottles around my head. And then people are like, oh, you're Kess. I'm like, yes, I am. And then they won't get the joke, but I will. (laughs) All right. So uh, before we check out for the day, which uh, this has been a phenomenal podcast and goodness gracious, we've been on for a while. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your podcast? Yeah. So the Masters of Modern Podcast, we've now been going for, I believe, almost four years, uh, is a modern focus podcast. We, I am less a master of modern and Ben is less a master of modern, but we do have masters on uh, and we like to master and help people master the format. Um, we, uh, a lot of times we're, we're more of the side of having fun with, with 60 card, you know, uh, competitive. We're not pro play 
players. We're here to try out cool ideas. Uh, we have a big Facebook group. We have almost 5,000 people. I think we are the largest modern-focused Facebook group on Facebook. And the intent of it is not how competitive can you be, but it's like let ev- you know, no idea is too dumb. You feel free to post stuff, and we love talking about it and talking about cool ways to make things work. Um, and Ben is more of the like wacky brewer, and I'm here to try and make decks kind of work <laughs> uh, and get them a little bit out of the clouds. But it, it definitely is a fun podcast. We do it every week. Uh, what, something that we've been doing a big push recently and since basically June is we're starting doing video. So we launched a YouTube channel about a month and a half ago uh, or two months ago with the express purpose of live streaming every Tuesday or, or Monday or at the beginning of the week, Monday or Tuesday, we do a live stream of the episode. Uh, we also record a pack opening then where we do a pack war. And then either someone in the live chat or someone on our Patreon has a chance to win whatever we pack war. So uh, the live chat chooses me or Ben and then we'll pack war. And then if the person that they chose wins they get the pack randomly given to them uh and this is where we have like we have old modern masters packs we have uh ice age packs we have a bunch of old stuff which is really fun um and then we go into an episode where we talk about different modern things sometimes it's the pro tour sometimes it's a gp sometimes it's just a wacky brew idea that was someone's posted or that ben has had um and then a lot of times we'll have guests on that we interview them uh ben is a professional interviewer in his uh daily life so he does a lot of like movie interviews and red carpet interviews so he's and really he good at the best dressed dude in magic he wears a suit everywhere. He wears a suit to the office. I've never, I've seen him not in a suit twice and one of, or like two periods of my life. And one of them was one. I was like, I need a personal trainer. And Ben was like, well, I used to do that. And I started having him personal train me. And then I started hating him. So we had to stop because <laughs> 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 exercise is not my friend. But uh, yeah, so he's like very well dressed. <laughs> uh, it, we used to joke like the joke around the, the card store. And if you talk to Andrew Brown, who now makes magic uh, is how handsome he is. Uh, his first GP that we really talked about was called Hunted Handsome because it played the hunted hunted horror and the other hunted creatures in the deck. Uh, and then Ben was just handsome. So that was the joke. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so we started doing, so he's really good at interviewing people. So we'll have people on and we'll interview them about their life and then their pro tour, you know, uh, their pro life and what decks they're playing recently. Um, and then we're just kind of expanding the content now. So, you know, we're going to start doing kind of a, a Monday news show. Tuesdays will be the podcast live stream. Thursdays is when it gets posted uh, onto the YouTube channel with good audio. Uh, and then uh, Ben's going to start streaming the brews he's been coming up with. So we're, we're kind of doing a big expanse there alongside us kind of launching the game Kickstarter that we're launching uh, for Battle Bosses, which everyone should also go check out. Subtle plug. I'm doing a lot. <laughs> wow, man. That's amazing. Yeah, that's how you know that I've taken over the show because I love modern. That's my secret. That's the only other constructed format I will play beyond EDH and Brawl. Yeah, I should show up on your show sometime and talk about my um, my 60-card piles. No, we, like, we've been trying to get you on. I think the biggest... And, and I'm getting married soon, and the biggest issue is that due to that wedding, my ability to record podcasts after work has been very, very, very limited. So we record normally at like 10 a.m., and most people have jobs then. So like that's... If you look at our like... we I looked at like 2016, 2017, our guest count and who our guests were was like epic. We had Tom Lapilli, we had uh, Patrick Chapin, we had uh, Jerry T. We had, you know, we had a bunch of these big players, and then like in the last year, it's dropped down significantly, and it's because we've had to record on like Tuesday mornings, and no one, everyone has a job. People are employed, so it's harder to get guests on. But once this wedding <laughs> is done, and I get back from honeymoony wedding things, uh, wedding things, where plan is to kind of move back into a, a more of an evening time uh, recording schedule, especially since we're live streaming the podcast now. So that makes it so people can actually watch us. Fair. Then we'll have guests on again, and you can be a guest. I promise. <laughs> Unless you want to take a morning off. If you want to just come hang out hey, at 10 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let, let, I'll, I'll get right on that. <laughs> All right, Cassman, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a blast. It was a really cool conversation and went a lot of places I was not expecting. And we really appreciate having you on. Thanks so much. It was a blast. Uh, sorry if I ADD'd us into weird directions, but uh, hopefully it was interesting hey, for everyone. Man, that's the best kind of conversation, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Listeners, you rock. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I do. And if you did or didn't, please let me know because I would love to learn. And we only grow with your commentary. So if you guys have any thoughts or comments, please just drop me a tweet. I answer all of them. We hope you guys enjoy the show. 
But remember, please visit Alex's Kickstarter and we'll put a link in the show notes and in the YouTube channel below. We'll probably tweet it out too. It's a really cool looking game. I think you guys will all like it if you're commander players or board gamers. And frankly, most of us tend to be. It's just also it's just good to support your friends doing cool things. You want them to do more cool things. That's the whole point. Special thanks to our patrons who let us do cool things by uh, sitting here and talking to you guys every week for an hour to two hours. Without your continued support, I guarantee you I would not be doing this. I would probably be not talking about magic on podcasts at all, really. But Alex, if our listeners wanted to contact you, learn more about what you do or find out your shows how can they best reach you uh on twitter i am at kess wiley uh the podcast is at the mm cast uh also if you just go to kess.co that's k-e-s-s dot c-o the website you can see all the kind of toys that we talked about uh battle bosses is also there um and but yeah easiest way is i'm at kess wiley on everything from discord to twitter to facebook to uh instagram just that's yeah me uh, a magic card it's good to have consistency i I do what i can (laughs) you can reach us by going to our website commanderandmtg.com our email is cast at commanderandmtg.com you can find us on all of the social medias by searching for commander and mtg podcast this episode was edited by david mitchell our theme song was created for the podcast by nate burgess Our logo was created for the podcast by Mr. Picto with assistance from Kelly DeLuca. You can find more art from Mr. Picto by going to mrpicto.co.uk. Special thanks to tech whizzes Jesse Thompson and Graham Frank and to Justin for the server space. Commander at MTG Podcast is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy. It has not been approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast. Copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. And special thanks to Mike Condon of the Brothers War podcast for the cool guitar version of our theme song. And Alex, if you would be so kind as to do one of the things that we ask all of our guests to do, which is take the show out. Super sweet. Totally awesome. Thanks, guys. See you next time.